Hello, Nevadans. This is the NV Politics Podcast, where we discuss political hot topics throughout the state of Nevada to keep you informed on what's going on. We're your hosts. I'm Dominique Labonte. And I'm Tim Hannafin. And we're recording this episode of NV Politics on June 18th, 2023. So let's get into it. Happy Father's Day. Happy You're not a father, but Father's yes. Day. It's and Father's Day. It's the day before Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup last week. Af- yeah, it's the day after the Bass Cry. I mean, there has been a lot of a lot of things. So many things happened in Nevada this past week, and so we're going to cover just a few of those. And let's see. We'll we'll begin with our rehash which we're going to do a, uh, an update on the Ace Stadium. Yeah, we'll- you, you were about to say quick. It's not going to be quick. I know. I was going to say quick, and I was like, yeah, I don't no. know if it'll be quick. No, nope, uh, not we'll, at all. <laughs> we'll do a special session wrap-up because those all finished. And then, well, at least for now. And then our main topics, we will discuss DeSantis's visit to Gardnerville as well as... Uh, the new record that Governor Lombardo has set for vetoes, and then we'll get into our broke my brain. So we will kick it off with rehash. There were two special sessions. There the were. 34th and 35th special legislative... Se- <laughs> wow, that's a lot to count. That's a tongue twister. Legislative yeah. sessions since the... How do you say it? Tim Sine D.A.? Uh, so everyone <laughs> says uh, sine die, uh-huh. but the Latin pronunciation is sine die. Sine die of the 82nd legislative session. So we had the two special sessions since then. So the 34th, that was fast. We needed to get that capital improvement program bill pushed through. It got hung up on some... Well, I, did we? <laughs> did we, though? Well, I mean, it was really just getting him some new office furniture. Have you seen their offices? They look very nice. They, yeah, no, I mean, I, <laughs> they're large buildings, you know. It probably <laughs> requires a lot of furniture. But they, uh, initially, it sounds like this legis- this spe- special session, I should say, was purely political. Uh, Republicans didn't feel they had what they wanted, and it got hung up. Uh, they wanted some additional funding to go to charter school teachers. They ended up passing the thing. They made some amendments, and it's done. It's out of there. Yep, it, it was called a debacle by some Republican senators, as mm-hmm. per the signs that were put on their door. Yeah, um, they were not pleased that we refused to increase our funding for s- charter school teachers. No, they were not pleased, and either way. We finished that up. The Capital Improvement Program Bill is fully passed, which finalizes the last of the fifth sections of the overall budget bill that we needed to get through. So then we had the 35th special legislative session that ended on June 14th, so just four days ago, which was SB1. All about the Ace Stadium funding, and that passed. So I'll let Tim take it from here, because as we all know, it's his favorite topic to discuss. So first, we're going to give some clarity to what we talked about last week. Oh, okay. Because there were some actual numbers that came out, so I just want to present it. $250,000 is the cost of a special session per day. 
Mm-hmm. So that means that our special session cost a total of $20 million, give or take wow. 250K, mostly because I've heard differing length amounts of how much they were paid. So I'm saying plus or minus one day. But, sure. you know, it, $20 million were spent just to get this bill passed. Wow. Okay. Now, it, with that being said, it was presented back into the legislation as it was before, a la carte, if you will. Yeah. No amendments, no changes, same exact wording as what we saw die in normal session. Mm-hmm. It was debated. There was some special session. There was some chance of public comment that weren't really public comment. In <laughs> um, the assembly hearing where there was public comment, they shut off phone comment altogether. So it was just in person or oh, email. Oh, you had to be there. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let and, me, you want me to you know, give a summary of... Yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. So Summarize it. Obviously. Because I'm, I'm just ranting. Yeah, before you get into that rant, let me tell the people what happened, okay? So according to the Nevada Independent, we love them, the state Senate voted 13 to 8 on Tuesday to pass the A Stadium bill, sending the measure to the Assembly and giving the clearest signal yet that lawmakers could approve up to $380 million in public dollars to help construct a new Major League Baseball. That was Tuesday. Tuesday, okay. Uh Uh-huh. And so the vote on SB1 comes after more than five days of backroom negotiations in a special session of the legislature that ultimately spurred the Tuesday edition of two substantial amendments aimed at tightening the public financing language, expanding the terms of a community benefits agreement, and resurrecting two bills Governor Lombardo vetoed earlier this month. I'm going to talk more about vetoing later. We won't dig yeah. too deep into that. Um, just to, yeah, just to kind of go over that one amendment where they're tightening up the language on community funding. A huge part of this stadium is the fact that we are paying so much of our own state tax dollars into the building of it. People want to make sure that there's something coming out coming out of it. They want to make sure that you know there is a give back to the community that's having to pay for this stadium. Yeah. That's led to this community housing initiative. There, there's essentially a large amount of money that's supposed to be going to support Clark County's low-income housing and low-income housing initiative. Something very important in the state. We know we yeah. don't have housing. We especially mm-hmm. don't have low-income housing. That's right. The problem that I still have with this amendment and the problem that it comes with is that when you look at the flow of money, they first have to, when they get money back from this stadium... They first, as a team, have to pay back the money that they got from the state. They have to pay back their bonds. Okay. They then have to pay the operating cost of running the stadium because, you know, keeping the lights on ain't cheap. Those things are expensive. They got to pay the water. They got to pay all that. So they got to pay the operating costs. Mm -hmm. They have to pay the op pay or some of the money if there any of the revenue goes to pay for any operations costs that the team fails to pay for. So if, say, there are operation costs or facility costs that the team just can't pay for, any of their tax revenue has to first go to paying for that. Then (laughs) it has to go to filling the reserve backs or filling reserves to backstop the bonds. Then they have to repay any draws to state credit 
that is done via the cost of the stadium or moving the team here. So if the state has to draw any credit from the federal government or any credit agency, that has to get paid back. Then they have to pay back any drawings on bond reserves. So if the current bonds that they're working or that they have don't cover it all, they'll have to draw more. So they then have to pay for any of those overheads. Then they have to pay uh, $500 plus million annually into a capital reserve fund, which is essentially just $5 million annually to make sure that the stadium stays state-of-the-art and stays up-to-date. Then, and only then, if there is any money left over after all those people get paid and all that money gets allocated, then tax credit repayments can go to the housing fund. Wow. Oh, and then there are some extra bond and infrastructure payments that get any of the overhead from that project. But they are the eighth bucket in a nine-bucket overflow. And, like, yes, I know we're talking millions of dollars, but, like, millions of dollars disappears real fast after, like, three or four buckets. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So there isn't going to be any real public funding for this. And... I'm not going to reiterate all of the not publics or all of the lack of public support that came from this bill that we talked about in our last episode. Yeah. I'm just going to kind of reiterate some things that kind of show the issue with it, or at least in my opinion, some of the issues with it. Uh, the Speaker of the Assembly, someone who I could argue is in the cohort of leaders for our party in the state. Okay, because our our party doesn't have an official leader because we don't have a governor. So it kind of just falls to Mm -hmm. a cohort of a bunch of other people. We have a lot of offices. So he's he's in the cohort of leaders. He's he might not be the leader, but he's a cohort of the leaders. Sure. He goes out to do a 23, a 23 tweet thread explaining why the special session happened and reiterating how, you know, he hasn't heard a lot of things from his constituents and he really only wants to hear from his constituents and then Nevadans because he puts his constituents first and then Nevadans first and I'm summarizing 23 tweets so That's a lot this of was tweets a, I would have used a different social uh, platform uh, 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 I'm not even I'm not even there yet just hold on hold on <laughs> he then the next day does six tweets Defending his stance of constituents and Nevadans only, saying that's why he wants to hear from only them, and he doesn't want to hear from those out of state because, quite frankly, he doesn't represent them. Okay. The following day, he puts out 10 tweets about how the bill is still only in the Senate and he can't do much with it until it's out of the Senate and it needs to move to the Assembly for him to actually start having some things and he's explaining how the special sessions and the committees as a whole of working okay he then ends with 14 tweets defending the bill passing and make it and you know who's this pretty is much this jaeger is that who this is yeah i yes yes i'm just trying to be respectful because he is one of our party leaders in the cohort but uh, yeah And in this last one, in my opinion, he's putting out 14 tweets defending his bad call and bad bill and how he had public input and all of this. Uh Now, if we do the math and we do some major assumptions, the the length, maximum length of a tweet is 144 characters. (laughs) I'm assuming that each tweet was only 120 characters. Okay, so I made some assumptions here. Okay. So the first one was a one-page presser. The second one was about a 
a paragraph presser, the average press release you'd expect from a politician. Sure. The third one then comes out to be 300 words, another average presser. And then the fourth one comes out to be about four to 500 or 600 words. So another press release. Mm-hmm. He did the equivalent of five or six press releases to defend this on Twitter of all things in one of them, even recognizing like, Hey, yes, this is on Twitter. So I'm not going to hear from many of my constituents because they're not on this platform, but it's like, so clearly you're not caring to like, that's the thing. Why are you in office? In my opinion, it's a sports guy who is out of touch and just wanted another sports team in his in his state, because if you look at his personal profile, all he cares about is all the different sports teams that are in Nevada. Really? Yes. And now I'm going to Google. <laughs> it just seems like to me, he wanted this so badly. He refused to listen to anyone else. And they just took campaign donations from certain parties to get it passed because it was like, well, I mean, it makes it easier for us to give it to you now and later. Cause you're helping us out now we can help you out. And like, I can just see the conversations happening, but it's like, stick to your guns. Yeah. The, the people of Nevada as a whole don't want it, but I mean, oh, you didn't hear enough public comment. Well, yeah. Cause you shut off the phone lines, dude, Yeah. but you know, whatever that's to, to kind of end my rant. This was something that I heard because this was a question about it was a conversation on education and it's about the stadium and someone brought up the stadium and they were like, well, how do you as an education representative feel about them giving 380 million to the stadium and the kind of the summary? And I don't even know if this was in the direct answer, but the summary of what he said was we need to change how our state looks at education funding. Because when he as a lobbyist entered the building at the beginning of this session, not the special session, but the beginning of Mm -hmm. this session, Mm -hmm. the attitude in the building was, we just gave historic funding to our education system, which wasn't wrong. And I am going to help someone out because they'd be real pissed if I didn't say this. Being where we are, we're 46th in the nation in education or 47th. We're down there. I thought as of last year, we were 49th. we're moving up slightly. We're not like the worst, but we're down there. We're really bad. We're, yeah, we're off. With that, we've made some great students. The teachers in the state are amazing. We've had great products out of our education system. I'm not denying that. But we're still in the last five to ten spots in the country. Yeah. We have to start acknowledging that. It doesn't matter that we give historical amounts of funding to our education this last session. We're still last in the country. Yeah. I don't, I like, I, I hear the teachers who are saying, no, but we had all these great students. We've done all this great stuff. It's cool. You've done all this awesome work. What could you do if we had more funding? Right. What could you do if you had more teachers? So you had a smaller class size, so you could connect with more than just that one student, but you could connect with five or 10 in the classroom. Yeah. I was friends with plenty of national merit scholars or national scholars or whatever the hell they were. <laughs> I ain't any of them. <laughs> Why? Because I didn't have the right teacher to connect with me in the right way because they had a million other students they were trying to connect with. Would smaller class sizes have helped? I don't know. I'm not going to say that that's an end-all be-all, but we know that our state has the largest class sizes in the nation. We're first in that at least. Yep. And yet 
oh, we gave historic amounts of funding to education, so why do we need to give more? We need to change how we're looking at this, and we yep. need to recognize $380 million for state stadium is cool, but it'd be better for education because that's where we fucking need it. Yep. Um, that that's really that's my rant on the stadium. That's my rehash, and that's kind of right. at least where I wanted to end it. Of like, it and we, we kept hearing it too. The argument from a lot of our educator, our educators who were representatives, were saying, "Why are we being asked to give this money, and we're spending twenty million dollars to be asked to give this money right. when we can't even." fund our own teachers and it's because mm -hmm. just the attitude is wrong and yeah. yes i understand that we have teachers who want pats on their back for making great students but they also need to recognize that they need to fight for more because we're still last in the nation well, you can do good and be last but you can do good and be better yeah I, no, I mean not only right could this 300 million whatever go to education but it can go to healthcare because we're yep. pretty much in a healthcare crisis. That we are so strapped with doctors and just every we, yeah we don't have enough the health yeah we industry. don't have enough healthcare's in yeah. our in in the state. We don't have enough we healthcare already, providers. We already said housing, right? Is a yeah. is a large so so there there are so many other things that this funding can go towards. To our priority needs our priorities need to change. Yeah, I mean let's let's just I said this before. Let's just see how how we do for a little while with the sports. We don't have to just keep bringing more. <laughs> like, let's see if they eventually start to pay off. And in the meantime, build up what we've well, got. And, the, and that's the other thing. And the, sorry that this wasn't said earlier, but every single economic analysis that has been done in regards to the A Stadium and every other stadium prior, any stadium that has been publicly funded has lost money. It has never made money for that area. It's interesting. The only the only economic group that says otherwise is Jeremy Aguero's and Applied Analytics, which again, they were the <laughs> idiots behind Blockchain LLC and that whole economic analysis. So I don't think he's a real economist. And everyone who I've talked to is like, well, yeah, he's not. He's like a historian or something. And I was like, that makes sense, but I don't actually know that. So I just I think he's not smart. So well, here we are. June yep. 18th, 2023, and it's all passed. But it's not finalized yet because there still has to be other agreements. The A still have to sure up the $1.1 in private funding that they need to get the rest of it built. Okay. Like, there's still more. Um, the MLB needs to approve it, and I know that there has been some stuff that I've been reading about. Barbara Lee, there, there is a California representative who has threatened to pull or threatened to reevaluate the anti-monopoly claims that the MLB is under hmm. if the A's are allowed to move because she represents that district. Oh, interesting. And she's like, well, okay, well, we can, we can really reevaluate re if you're a monopoly or not. And if you fall under the antitrust, uh, the antitrust, uh, what was it like exemptions that have we've given you in the past? Let's see if those still apply. Cool. Well, it's it's all going to be interesting, and we'll see we'll see what the next steps are, and we'll report back on that. All right. So moving on to our main topics of uh, my least favorite Floridian visiting my wonderful home state of Nevada. 
F word, F word, F word. (laughs) Mr. Ron DeSantis was the first presidential candidate of this campaign cycle to come to the state of Nevada. And he attended the annual Basque Fry in Gardnerville for those who are listening who have never heard of Gardnerville. It's a small place in Nevada, uh, but there were 2,500 people in attendance, apparently, according to uh, an, an so Nevada. To, uh, <laughs> to put it into perspective, I went to high school in Gardnerville, Nevada, and my graduating class was 300 people. Um, yeah. The whole high school, when they added the freshmen to the high school, because they weren't even there when I went there, that's how small of a town we were. Uh, when they added the freshmen, I think it got up to like 22, 2300 kids at the school. So this crowd was bigger. <laughs> Is that the only high school in Gardnerville? No, there are two. Okay. There are two. But the other one has like class sizes of, of like double digits if they're lucky. So maybe, I think, yeah. So that gives our listeners an idea of how small the town of Gardnerville is in Nevada. So, yes, there were... This was held as a ranch, okay? (laughs) Yes. This is at a ranch. It was, and it's... uh, Listen, I didn't know what this bass fry was. (laughs) Um, I learned some interesting things, like the main dish is apparently fried lamb testicles. Hence why Trump <laughs> tweeted out that day, looks like DeSantis is getting some balls. <laughs> yeah. Or something along those lines. A very just... Uh, yeah, Trump is, was definitely trolling him, but that's what Trump does best. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry, I keep interrupting. It's all right. Okay, so this event was also supported by none other than Ron DeSantis's roommate from their time in the Naval Academy. Nope, Naval, o- Naval Officer School, not the Naval Thank Academy. You. That Thank is you. a key distinction. Thank that, you. You know, the Naval, what did you say? I, the Naval Officer uh, Training. That's so right. So that's where they were roommates. Yeah. So the person I'm talking about is Adam Laxalt, who ran against Catherine Cortez Masto, uh, in the last Senate race. Some some key little drama, just to add to that. Laxalt was the chair of Trump's Nevada campaign mm-hmm. in 2020 and is now the... Ditching Trump. Chair. He's dumping Trump well, for okay, DeSantis. <laughs> this is where it gets a little salty because he is currently the chair of a super pact. Our lamb testicle salty. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I couldn't help it. Of course, of course. But uh, the um, he is now chair of the super PAC yes. that is to supporting DeSantis. But as the chair, you can't really, like, as a super PAC, you can't cooperate with the, the mm. purse. So... It gets a little complicated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they're best buds, I guess. I want to give a brief history of it because we can also then talk about some of your dishes that you, if you want to mention any, um, the history of it is this is based on, uh, an event that Paul Laxalt, who was We're a former talking governor about and senator. The history of the of annual the Basque, Basque fry. fry. Yep. Got it. Yeah. But then also it, it does have some Basque history to it. Hence why I say that okay. it's based on his event, which was predominantly built as a heritage event when he was running it throughout his time as okay. a politician in the state. It was very large on Basque culture. Hence, why you go down there and you get things like 
lamb balls, lamb testicles, and mm. pecan punch, things like that. It It's a very Basque event. Basque culture is very big in Gardnerville. We have JT Basque, which is the only fancy restaurant down there swear to god like you we don't have fancy restaurants we have fast food the cvi and jt's basque like that's what you got that's it and the cvi is not even good it's just what? a casino coffee shop what? so so listen um a city nevadan what is basque uh it and this is where i'm going to offend some people so i apologize ahead of time <laughs> From my understanding, it is a cultural region in France <laughs> that were um, greatly, greatly, like pretty much exiled from Europe in the like 90s to 20s. So 1890s to 1920s. And there was a very large exodus of them. And they ended up in like predominantly weird states just scattered across the country. Northern Nevada being one of those areas. You have Basque culture heavy in Elko all the way through to Carson City and Reno even. Okay. It's just one of those things. So the Basque are a people group. Yes, they are a people group. I do I not know from. I do not know from the region though, and I apologize. I got it. I got it. Yeah, the please, Basques please. are a. <laughs> this is oh, fr- this, yeah. this is from travelnevada.com. Uh, the Basques are a hearty, welcoming, and vibrant people from a region on the northern border between Spain and France. Hey, yeah, you were so close. <laughs> I was half right. <laughs> <laughs> They're half French. Yeah. Okay, they're so half French and half Spanish, but so, yeah, they so have their, now we know like what Basque is. Okay, yeah, they, they have their whole uh, separate language. It's like yeah, it's a whole cultural thing. Okay, um, cool. Much like I, I've always, whenever I've heard people describe like the Romanian, the Gypsy type culture, like how it's not really an area; it's a people. Uh-huh. That's much of the Basque. How the Basque have always been described. They're not from like a country. They're the regions that that they came from. Okay. Uh, but yeah, and this this one this year was the eighth annual one that Adam Laxalt has been reviving. So okay. it was discontinued and then revived. Even talking with old like political people in the state, they remember it not being a political event. They remember Laxalt's being a more heritage kind of rib cook-off, mm-hmm. Genoa candy dance, like, hey, let's celebrate Nevada heritage. Like, let's do that. Okay. And now we have uh, this political event. We sure do. We sure what do. do we, what were <laughs> some of the thoughts that you had? Because I even have some quotes that I loved, too. Okay. So I've, I've got a list of a few things that DeSantis made a point to talk about to us Nevadans while he was visiting. I have, I have four. Okay. So hopefully none of mine stomp on yours. Well, here we go. So... He made sure to intro how our country is in decline due to the leftist democratic governments destroying cities and states. Yep. Uh, yep. There were apparently a lot of, I don't want to say current Trump supporters, but prior Trump supporters seemingly looking for a Trump without noise or baggage. Uh, DeSantis. Well, mm-hmm. As someone who drives through Gardnerville and that region often, there there were immediately Trump 2024 flags that were being flown. Interesting. Like right after he lost. And that it's one of those yeah. things where the, he has a very, very strong following down there. Oh, yeah. yeah, for and sure. And I don't think, think anything is going to weaken that. 
Yeah. So, yeah. We'll, we'll see. They crazy. Uh, DeSantis was touting how Florida is a national model for fiscal. That's my res- one. <laughs> okay. That's my number one. Okay. I won't, I won't go too deep into <laughs> no, that. you're good. You're uh, fine. And then apparently he also emphasized his fight against woke ideology. And that's the- <laughs> my number two. <laughs> I'm just uh, pulling these. These were the ones where I was like, what are they? Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Why uh, would he uttered the work, the, the word woke 13 times in a three minute span. That was my favorite line from this article. <laughs> He wants to eliminate discussions of gender and sexual identity in schools, which we've talked about. He's doing that in Florida and said that he would follow suit at the federal level to eliminate income taxes across the country, saying the federal government should, quote, get rid of the IRS and send it off into the sunset. That was my number three. (laughs) And that one was my favorite quote because I'm like, wait, wait, do you realize like how do we pay for things? Yeah, it's like that whole scene from Rick and Morty where he de- he like changes the value of the galactic dollar from one to zero, and they're all sitting in the office and they're like, "Wait, who who's paying me? What what's yeah. going on? Like, I, uh, you know, I'll I'll fight that guy for money." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, <laughs> it, model for fiscal thing. responsibility here. <laughs> uh, and then he. He bragged about busing immigrants to Martha's Vineyard, which, uh, you know, was it in was the news. It was apparently a nice place to go or whatever he said. Yeah. And then, you know, he spoke how he would continue to pursue to eliminate critical race theory. And Skull I, choice. Skull I, choice. I, I, didn't Skull see, choice. I didn't see anywhere where he actually mentions Trump. I believe I, I did read and hear that. He did not mention Trump by name um, throughout his visit. Well, and now some of the quotes that I pulled out that I actually loved were not from him, but were from the people that were caught in the crowd. Okay. And some of the things that they were saying, did you read any of that? I read some of it, but I didn't capture it here, so go ahead. Holy, oh my God. Okay, so (laughs) one of my favorite was that... um, uh, he wanted to see more of like, you know, standing by and like standing with kind of Trump or at least supporting Trump. That mm-hmm. was a, a large sentiment along a lot of the followers mm-hmm. was that even though he didn't mention Trump, they wanted him to mention Trump and they yeah. wanted him to kind of defend it, especially against all of the false allegations and denounce them that were yeah. against Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fact that he didn't do that, I spoke volumes, I think both to them, but also to me of like, well, I mean, maybe he believes that they're not false allegations, question mark. Like pretty yeah. much everyone else here. Um, yeah. But my favorite my favorite was what someone said they wanted him to say why they wanted DeSantis to support Trump was because they wanted to bring the world together instead of divide it. Uh, They wanted to see more bringing the world together instead of dividing it. uh, And I thought that was just the funniest thing in the world because it makes me think of all those funny Twitter videos where the guys just like sarcastically going through these crowds, like, Looking for these quotes, like, wait, so you want to bring the world together, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like sending all the immigrants back to their countries, huh? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like, we, <laughs> do you hear what you're saying? You've yeah. literally built your entire campaign on like bigotry and hate and saying. <laughs> it's it's actually pretty amazing. Um, the, what is the right word? Just the overall lack of 
knowledge that so many people have around DeSantis's agenda of this whole wokeism thing. Like people don't actually understand or realize some of the legislation that was passed. He's, he's built his brand on it. Yeah. That's what he's using his brand as. He, I think they saw the Trump model and said, okay, well, what can we do? We can't go his way. So let's just go woke. Yeah, but I they yeah, there's just a an interesting lack of understanding around what it actually means and what he's going for. So, yeah, uh, you know, again, my least favorite Floridian, and I say this, <sighs> I'm a Labonte, and I have Labontes who live in Florida, like <laughs> aunts and uncles, and my grandparents before they passed. And they loved Florida. My grandparents really loved it. And I am scared for <laughs> I'm scared for the Labonte. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, DeSantis, don't come back here. You hear? <laughs> I mean, he will. Uh, we'll probably see Trump eventually. Another fun yeah. thing that I just wanted to throw out there. This was either on Thursday or Friday. I can't remember which day. But I was driving through town, and I made a note that I was like, wow, that's like the fourth private jet I've seen fly into Reno Tahoe. What's going on? Oh, yeah, Basque Fry. Oh, yeah. Yep, Basque Fry. Basque Fry, yeah. You're right. I did see that. Huge, huge amount of private jets coming in. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yep, yeah. Okay. God forbid they fly commercial. (laughs) Any other thoughts on DeSantis's visit? I wish we would have gotten a numbers comparison to last year's Basque Fry. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I think it would have been interesting to know. Yeah, you know, I think from a numbers game, since you bring up numbers, it's interesting how wide the, I can't say independent party, but those who identify as independents uh, that chasm is becoming, you know, and uh, not just in Nevada, but but throughout the United States. And the reality is that no no single party, Democrat or Republican, is going to be able to win the election without gaining some of those independent voters. And I'll say this. I don't think Ron DeSantis is going to win independent voters from Gardnerville. You know what I mean? <laughs> If we really want to get into this discussion, that gap, I think, can be attributed, simply put, to the party, like how this election or how these parties are being looked at. Mm-hmm. You talk with anyone on the street and they're already like, well, yeah, it's going to be Biden versus Trump again. Yeah. And I'm already over it. Like, mm-hmm. people only voted, I, I'm not going to say only, but a, a majority of independents voted for Biden because it wasn't Trump. Yes. But they're yep. not they're not necessarily pleased with him. And they no. want, like democracy is the idea of a choice and it doesn't feel like we're getting a choice. It feels like it's already being delivered to us. Am I saying well, that there is. is a good alternative <laughs> no. as of right now? No, no there but isn't. we keep, yeah, it, it's just the lack of choice. That's yeah. Which honestly, I've heard that sentiment for decades, you know? And yeah, so I got to figure out a way to engage some independent voters through different candidates. So yeah. So it doesn't feel like you're just picking the lesser of two evils, right? 
Yeah, to quote South Park, what is it? The uh, uh, douche and a turd sandwich? <laughs> Isn't that what that episode is? <laughs> I've never been into South Park, but it, it that was a sounds really, right. Yeah, I think it was for, um, it was one of the two Obama elections. I think it was 2000, I think it was the 2012 where they just equated it and they made it like a school mascot election and the election came down to a douche and a turd sandwich <laughs> and like they're mad they had these guys come out in these costumes and it was horrible and it was oh my like god just, yeah well on that note we should jump into our the vetoes <laughs> yeah the vetoes okay so i hinted take, at take it earlier away. lombardo set a record of vetoes within a single session 75. Okay. Yes. He rejected 75 bills passed by the Democrat-controlled legislature. So that includes 43 vetoes that were issued Friday because he only had 10 days to sign or veto these bills before they either get passed, vetoed, or um, I think if he doesn't sign them, they will pass, right? Yeah, if Nevada he does not. has this weird thing where it the only way it doesn't pass is if it gets vetoed. If yes. he just doesn't touch it, it becomes law. Yeah. So he, um, I mean, he went for it. Probably some old Robert's rule thing or something. Oh, maybe. But yeah. Yeah. He went for it. So I have a bit of a list here of a few that I found interesting that he did not pass. So we kind of actually alluded to this earlier in our discussion around tenant protections. Those were vetoed. Uh, continued funding for universal free school breakfast and lunches for K through 12 schools vetoed. Horrible. So no more Horrible. free lunches for our Nevada families and children. Well, is it no free or is it a reduction on the funds or something like that? What is it? So we were already funding these uh, universal free school breakfast and lunches, and it looks like it's going to stop the funding for them. So I don't know how well, they figure and, that out. The only reason I ask this is because when you say universal, universal seems like it would go to every kid. Yeah. I think so, they enacted that during COVID. Okay. So then what that means is that it'll probably go to a pre-COVID level. So it's not universal, which means you have to apply and be at a certain financial level to justify certain things. That's very The likely. problem with that is that it's just so piss low that like, Yeah. The yeah. kids who are only getting free food are the ones who are, like, physically starving without it. Correct. And other than that, yeah, you're, you're paying for food. Yeah, so he vetoed that. Uh, he He also vetoed a bill that would have allowed higher education employees to collectively bargain under state law. So remove that ability. Uh, he vetoed a state-funded health care coverage to pregnant people who don't qualify for Medicaid because of their immigration status. So that's fun. He vetoed AB 298, which would cap rent increases at 10% of a qualified resident's rent for a period of time running from June 30th, 2023 until December 31st, 2024. They want to hike that up. Yep. Uh, so, man, that 10% is a lot of it. And so the fact that we... we couldn't just cap it. Why? Anyway, ten ten percent of my rent's one hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, that's and a that's lot. where the cap would be. Like that's a lot of money. Yeah, and there is no cap. That means right. that they could be like you know twenty percent. 
I was more thinking like 90, but yeah. <laughs> what? I mean, they could go wild if they wanted to, right? Yeah. Uh, Cause there is no cap. Uh, he vetoed SB 133, which was a bill that would have created a felony penalty for creating or submitting a false slate of presidential electors with penalties of four to oh 10 years God. in prison and up to a $5,000 fine. This was really specific because this happened. <laughs> So that was fun. He vetoed that. Uh, anybody, if you want to pretend that you're an elector, uh, then, hey, you'll be fine. SB 404 was also vetoed. It was a bill that would have moved up the date for counting early voting results, allowing election officials to begin counting ballots on the first day of early voting rather than election day. I mean, they don't want early voting to even occur, so that's probably why I got vetoed. So we'll still be counting probably late into uh, the election week uh, like we have yep. been. Which doesn't make it look well for the uh, <laughs> us staying second or whatever, but I don't know. Yeah. So in summation... The 43 bills that Lombardo vetoed after the session will not be transmitted back to the legislature until the next regularly scheduled legislative session that is set to begin in 2025. Uh, and then only at that time, lawmakers have the opportunity to attempt to override any of those vetoes. So we that, gotta do this yearly. That's where we're at. We got to do this yearly. We I'm sure sorry. Do. I get I I get the the call for not making it a year long. But you can meet 120 days every 2 years or every year. Like it needs to happen at it this does. point. We we can't wait cuz with how our constitution is set up, we have to wait 4 to 6 years for anything to get passed with that structure and that's the problem yeah. cuz it has to go to a popular vote and then through a mm -hmm. vote of both of those mm -hmm. or through both of those twice and mm -hmm. then a popular vote and it's like I just if it's got to do, if it's got to jump through so many hurdles, when it comes to the public good, we have to start moving the hurdles closer together. Yep. Yes. If we're going to keep them there, if we refuse to remove them, we got to just move them closer together. Agreed. So who's going to jump on this bandwagon with us and figure out how we can change this? <laughs> uh, do we uh, want to jump into Broke My Brain? Well, yeah, it was it was just a weird topic that kind of made my brain hurt a little bit and then just sparked a little bit of other stuff. But apparently our country has a, a shortage of chemo drugs right now. We oh. have like a 70% shortage of one of them and then a like a 60 or 40% shortage of the other one, which in used in combination are used to treat things like lung cancer, pancreatic cancer, mm -hmm. um uh, cervical cancer, and then there were like two or three other large cancers that these chemo drugs are being used for. And it made me like a twofold pause because one, it's like, oh, we're going through a shortage of these drugs. That means a lot of people are using these drugs. Um, what? Uh, but then two, like what happened to all that money or all that push for like, we're going to kill cancer? Like, wasn't that a state of the union poll for Biden like mm. a, two years ago of like, we are going to end cancer in the next 10 years. And yet we still have people not only using chemo, but we have so many people using chemo drugs that there is a national shortage of them. Mm. Like what the hell are we doing? We're, we're debating sports stadiums coming to our state instead of getting money into education and healthcare, which would both uniquely benefit possibly the fight against cancer in the future yeah. both industries yes housing wouldn't as much but education and healthcare combined would but no i mean yeah. sports stadiums are more important 
Yeah, that's a brain breaker. Yeah, and I'm gonna. That's probably gonna be my line for a long time. Like, yeah, but stadium is more important. <laughs> not bit. Yeah, not bitter. <laughs> yeah, not bitter at all. It's all like right. I don't even want it in Northern Nevada. I don't want it in Nevada. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, I'll share my broke my brain. It's not super long, but uh, I guess it was something that was surprising, right? So we just our last segment was all of the bills that um, Lombardo vetoed. And I was really shocked that he passed SB 163, which was a bill that requires Medicaid to cover the cost uh, for health insurance companies and Medicaid to cover the cost of gender affirming care. Uh, And uh, here's just the, the brief from the actual bill. There is so much in the bill, but I was so shocked that he signed this. So it's an act relating to insurance requiring certain health insurance to include coverage for the treatment of conditions relating to gender dysphoria and gender incongruence, prohibiting such insurers from engaging in certain discrimination on the basis of gender identity or expression making appropriations and authorizing certain expenditures and providing other matters properly relating thereto. And he, uh, he took a lot of flack for this, for signing this bill. And I saw, whew, man, I read a lot of articles, just really hate filled. And I say this though, (laughs) not as a place where I am, grateful because I think that he did this out of a good place. Um, from my understanding, it was a give me the A's stadium and I'll sign this bill sort of deal. And it broke my brain in a couple of different ways, I guess. Like I was not expecting it to be signed. Um, but he sure did veto the hell out of a lot of other things. And so he could have vetoed it, but maybe someone, hey, you, <laughs> we were talking about Jaeger earlier, <laughs> like maybe people like him took the flack to get some of these other bills passed. Who knows? Um, I don't, I don't know the background to it all, but you win some, you lose some, I guess. And that is politics. Take us out. <laughs> all right. Well. Wrap this up. For the outro this week, I decided that we're going to quit teasing uh, guests because we have a lot of people wanting to be guests, but we have no plans on having them on the show anytime soon. So we'll have a <laughs> guest, but I don't know when. Um, <laughs> next week's topics. Well, things are dying down in the States, so ideally nothing too crazy happens. Maybe we get to talk about some national news. Um, we just had the crazy week, so hopefully yep. it's nothing too crazy going forward. We're now on Spotify. Apple Music, are we on the third one yet? What was the third one again? I iHeart. <gasps> no, we're not. But now okay. I have time I can do this cuz I All right. finished my we're stuff. Wor- we're working on getting on a, <laughs> onto a third platform when we're there. We're there when we're not. Well, you know, we're not. We're only on Apple Music and Spotify <laughs> right now. Deal with it. Um, just you know, download an app, people. Yeah. You just got to download yeah. an app. We're just, we're trying to get out there everywhere. Come back next week. Like, subscribe, comment, review, thumbs up, stars, rate, like, all, all of it. All of it. Um, same place, same time, same, same, same platforms. 
Okay. See you next week. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> uh.